Today's episode is excerpted from a panel about independent living, housing justice, and specifically the affordable, accessible housing crisis for Portland area people with disabilities. It was recorded at a fundraising event and film screening for Real Choice Initiative in September 2018. The panel had four people and went for about 35 minutes. It was edited for time and clarity for the podcast. The excerpts are from three of the panelists, Marie Elaine Claire, Kiersey Coleman, and Alan Hines. The live event was ASL interpreted by Andrew Tolman. Hi, I'm Maria Lindclair. I am very much at the center of housing and housing justice for all people. And, um, and I personally experienced housing instability, to say the least. I'm so very happy to be here. So I'm Brain English and my brain wasn't working very well, but we said that's not going to stop us. 
And so we went over to Northwest Pilot Project and talked to Susan Emmons at that time. There weren't um, but two basic uh, places you could go, and it was very small. I mean, you're talking 300 square feet, right? So uh, Susan Emmons gave me her housing book, and I went through the entire book and combed every building, called every management uh, company and everybody that was listed and got an actual count on the housing stock and found out that it had very little. So we called a meeting with the owners, the management company, the manager, and all of 50-some tenants in the building, and uh, we got 90 days to turn into a year and a half. That's when they brought in housing vouchers. They were brand new at the time. And, you know, people didn't want to follow all that paperwork, you know, that government paperwork, you know, you need a college degree in government paperwork. To <laughs> and so, and here I am with a brain injury, could barely, you know, figure out, I've got sticky notes everywhere, right, which I remember what I did five minutes ago. And uh, so we got what we call now Home Forward, all of their staff would come down there and actually do the paperwork. What, what I find is that people at the lowest income People who are disabled, people who are seniors, get kind of pushed over. They don't expect us to stand up for ourselves. They don't expect us to fight back. I've been to the homeless camps. I've listened to uh, when uh, Pat had the Brainerd Health Center downtown. And so we have all these injustices where they're charging one group of renters one amount of rent increase and another, et cetera. And fair housing, you have to take uh, landlords to task one by one, like we have a lot of money to you know do court stuff, right? Hire lawyers. We are in a very vulnerable class, and renters collectively have not been connected. We don't know how much uh, your rent is and my rent is, and how much was your rent increase? Like lately, I found out I'm getting a 10% rent increase, and my neighbor is getting a 3% rent increase, right? So when I took this to Fair Housing lately, Fair Housing saying, uh-uh, no, illegal, right? But this is happening all over town. And seniors and people with disabilities and low-wage earners are just crying. I have interviewed 80-year-old uh, ladies who used to be a homeowner, who uh, retired, the husband died, et cetera, and they moved into an apartment. And now they are about months away from becoming homeless. And the mayor said to us, that he said this was going to be a city where all income levels could be able to afford housing and it wasn't just going to be for all rich people. So we have to hold him to that. So that means that we have to unify as a collective and that we have to have a collective goal, a collective voice, a collective mission, and a collective movement. As long as we have no cause eviction and that there's no prohibition on rent increases and that stays on these uh, state uh, books, then we are going to struggle and struggle and struggle and then get bounced all over the place. So when we talked to the governor uh, last week, we sat down with her through, with the Community Alliance of Tenants and even the governor said that um, she was willing to discuss having people at the lower income levels be put on a rent increase freeze so that we're not going to ask uh, people at the bottom income levels to try to keep up in a system that they can't possibly keep up with. It's impossible.
we have to show up. We have to lend our voice. We've got to write letters. We've got to make phone calls. We've got to do emails. We have to do messaging. And we got to meet business. And when we do it like that, then we can move those powers that be to do the right thing. And also voting, we have to know what the issues are, like the measures like 102. It's only going to lend like 12,000 new places to live. So we need 59,000 right now. Okay, so we're a little short. Uh, so that waiting until they finally build enough, we, we can't wait that long. We want to make sure that people with disabilities don't end up in institutions where group homes or nursing homes and leave the work. We won't go by. But what we're seeing is that because there is such a Choice of affordable housing that is accessible is prompting some state workers to refer people with disabilities to group homes and other things. So it's basically forcing us in a Decide the right to move back into institutional settlements. We we can't go back. We won't go back. Yeah, yeah, and I what we need to do is to recognize that there is a housing crisis. That's important. But it helps a lot of people to find appropriate housing for those themselves. The vast majority of people are not built for us as disabled people. So what we are advocating for and why I hope that you will join us in the advocating for is more affordable and possible happen. I did a lot of self-advocating to get myself out of the adult foster care home, but I always encourage people currently in my building to um, make their own decisions about where they want to live. And um, I always invite them to uh, the Real Housing Initiative meetings. Um, but I did a lot of the work myself to move out of the adult foster care home and into the the independent living place that I live now um, because my caseworker just didn't help me do it. And um, a lot of times you'll hear that they 
they can't make those decisions for you. That's what they told me, and and I wish I would have got more help finding where I wanted to live. But um, I got most of my help from independent living resources. But um, I think a lot of things that I was doing, my caseworker could have, could have been doing. So I was going to the library, making copies. I was like calling every place that I could. And it, it was really hard for me because I didn't know the systems that were in place and how you would qualify. So I would just hope that I could find something. And then I heard about where I live now. I did a lot of work and um, I got a lot of pushback from where I used to live. It was kind of like a nightmare. solutions, okay, and possibilities. Are people aware of the Mental Services Commission uh, under the Portland Housing Bureau? They passed their relocation ordinance here lately. The mayor is in charge of the housing issues within the Mental Services Commission. Uh, Commissioner Udaly is the one brought um, to bear the relocation ordinance where landlords have to pay they raise your rent over 10%, then they have to pay you to move if you decide that you can't afford the 10%. Not that, you know, when you're low income, where are you gonna move, right? If you can't afford that, you know, what, what does that mean? That's really for people that make 60,000 a year, you know, et cetera. I'm on the Lynn's housing team. I'm on the Metropolitan Alliance for Common Good team. I'm on the CAT Community Alliance of Tenants. And so what I wanna say, one solution is join these organizations. The Portland Tenants United is another organization. Yeah, yeah. By being associated with these organizations, one, you know, you find out what's going on. Two, you have a larger <coughs> voice. And three, uh, by having a, a disability voice, a collective of people, for example, why can't we have within the Portland Housing Bureau or Rental Services Commission is have an office in there that just specializes in placing people with disabilities. Yeah. Okay, but it's not gonna happen unless we bring it up, unless we go down there in front of the uh, city council and testify and demand and, and, and come with a list of needs, come with a list of possibilities, suggestions, uh, and we can have make uh, appointments with a commissioner, you daily, for example, and with the mayor. They're right now working on um, a draft for uh, changing the way we do rental applications. They are trying to make changes, make it easier for people, you know, with the credit situation, you know, because by the time you're disabled, you know, your credit is ruined uh, for a lot of us. The other thing, if people have criminal histories, that that's a barrier for people to get into housing. But the bottom line is, once we get into housing, even low-income housing, if they keep cranking up the rents, then it ends up not being affordable in a very short order. I think that if you can start thinking about what possibilities could help us, what do we need, and, and make a list of, of, of possibilities. 
Okay, really make that a point of, of the group, of, of your organization, and come together on a regular basis and then join up, um, connect, call, write these other organizations, and then that way you get heard and, and, and you have ideas that they didn't come up with. We say that housing is a human right, but how come I've got to qualify for housing, right? Why can't people that are just want to, you know, stand somewhere who can't afford to pay, you know, rent, they have to be moved all over the city from place to place, and it's actually against the law to fall asleep somewhere. I mean, really. Uh, the earth was here before we all got here. It's going to be here after we leave, okay? So, I mean, let's get sensible here. They need grassroots uh, thinking grassroots ideas and and it's only going to change when we make the change so as the real person we try to develop an inventory of inaccessible housing in the pointing area we focus on the states they non-government member and by federal law that is supposed to maintain a list of their accessible units. Turns out that only one of the companies is there a lot? I want to reiterate this. It's a violation of the federal law that has been in effect since 1973. The city is in violation of federal law. They know this. That is part of the reason there is a proposal by city council to make a housing inventory but the proposal is going to take several years for them to create and meanwhile we are still being forced out of Portland and each county or for that. If we can't tolerate that, we need, we need now. Every episode is transcribed. Links, guest info, and transcripts are all at whoamitostopit.com, my disability arts blog. I'm Cheryl, and this, this is, is Pigeonhole. 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 Don't sit where society puts you.